It's currently 4.35 on December 2nd. I am recording this in the Performing Arts Center lobby at our high school. You're hearing School District Superintendent Tim Throne speaking in a video Thursday about the gunman that opened fire this week at an Oakland County High School. We have parents that sent their kids to school two days ago and they're never coming home. To say that I am still uh, in shock and numb is uh, probably an understatement. Four students were killed. Six others and a teacher were wounded. And even the students who didn't suffer physical injury have been left to cope with the mental scars and losses. I mean, I'm going to walk in those hallways at some point, but I'll never forget, you know, what I've heard and what I saw. And so I think it'll be a while to come to terms with that. On this episode, we're talking about that horrendous day at Michigan's Oxford High School, hearing from the students, learning what's to come, and acknowledging the lives lost in the nation's worst school shooting in three years. A lot of people just sort of red around their eyes, crying, sniffling. There was a, a moment of silence, um, and that was a really just profound moment and a really, you know, profoundly sad moment. I'm Kerry Jr. the second, and from the Detroit Free Press, this is On the Line. First, can you introduce yourself and, and say your name and your official title? Yes, my name is Lily Altavina, and I'm the educational equity reporter with the Detroit Free Press. And tell us a little bit about Oxford. Like, how big is it? Uh, do you know, like, what about the community? Yeah, so Oxford is, you know, it's kind of got a small town vibe. It It's sort of way north of Lake Orion. Um, it's got, you know, some, some really cool downtown buildings. Uh, it seems like a lot of people know each other, lots of churches and church communities um, that I was able to to visit. And the school itself has about 1,500 students, according to state data. Um, and so that's that's a pretty big school. So when did those horrifying events on Tuesday begin? Yeah, so close to, to 1 p.m. on Tuesday at 12.51 p.m. specifically, more than 1911 calls uh, were made to law enforcement. And a lot of those were from frantic students reporting a shooting at Oxford High School. And walk me through the events of the day at this school. Just What do we know happened on Tuesday? Yeah, so according to the sheriff's office, the suspect came out of a bathroom and, and they started shooting. Uh, we know that the students heard ALICE over the intercom. That's ALICE. That's an acronym many schools use to signal a lockdown drill or an active shooter situation. You know, these students and educators have been trained in lockdown procedures. So educators, students, they barricaded themselves into rooms. It, it was chaotic. Some said it was quiet even, but in, in an eerie and terrible way. Uh, and the Oakland County Sheriff Office uh, says the suspect fired 30 rounds in the attack, or at least that's what they think now. Oakland County Sheriff said that about five minutes after those 911 calls, the deputies had the suspect, but, it, you know, there was still so much damage done in those five minutes. Uh, three had died by Tuesday night, and one was announced dead 
on Wednesday. Uh, and, and we're still learning about the lives that those teens lived. So the, the four of them, there's Tate Meyer. He was a 16-year-old football player. Uh, and Tate actually died in a sheriff's deputy's car en route to the hospital. Uh, another victim is 14-year-old Anna St. Juliana. Uh, she's a basketball and a volleyball player. She loved cooking. 17-year-old Madison Baldwin, an aspiring artist. 17-year-old Justin Schilling. His death was announced Wednesday. Uh, he was on the golf and bowling teams. Uh, so these were all students who were living their own high school lives. You know, they they had families, they had friends. It is just an unimaginable tragedy. The suspect has been identified as 15-year-old Ethan Crumbly, a student at the high school. Officials said he invoked his right to not speak. What essentially happened after the, the shooting? Yeah, so in all of their training, uh, a really central location, which is is very close to the school, was Meyer. So it was just kind of like down a hill is what students have described it to me. Um, so some got out during the lockdown. If they were close enough to doors to the outside, if they were far enough to, away from the shooter, uh, students got to this Meyer, and that was kind of the that was where they were reunited with their parents or caregivers. Um, and that was sort of where everybody maybe first started to to show, you know, the, the signs of shock of what they had just been through. You're on site. How soon after everything has transpired? I got to Oxford by 2.40. Um, you know, red and blue emergency lights just flickering everywhere. It was, uh, it was chaotic. Journalists, very understandably, weren't allowed in the mire in that area where students and parents were reuniting. So we watched kind of the scene from afar and there were just, you know, a lot of students and I, I have said this word so many times, it just shell shocked, um, you know, crying, hugging each other, hugging their parents. I attended uh, two of the press conference. I, I think at that point there was still a lot to be learned, a lot unknown about the suspect. So obviously um, we're here for um, the worst kind of tragedy we've seen across the country, and we hoped and prayed it would never come to Oakland County, um, but it has. The second was in Pontiac, where the sheriff's headquarters is. They knew more about who had died. They knew more about who was injured and what their injuries were. This kind of thing can happen anywhere, and sadly, it happened even in a sweet, quiet community like Oxford. It can visit itself anywhere in America. No one is immune. As of Thursday afternoon, Two 17-year-old girls remained hospitalized, along with a 14-year-old girl who'd previously been on a ventilator. Four others were discharged, a teacher and three students, ages 14, 15, and 17. I also went to a 7 p.m. vigil at Lake Point Community Church, and everybody was kind of just mashed together. I'd say at least more than 300 people. Uh, they held candles, just white candlesticks, and sort of... I think a flame, as I observed it, started in the back and they just sort of passed the flame from one candle to another until it reached, you know, the very front of the vigil. So everybody had, you know, their their glowing candle. Um, a lot of people just sort of red around their eyes, crying, sniffling. There was a, a moment of silence um, and that was a really just profound moment and a really, you know, profoundly sad moment. And you, and you spoke to people while you were there 
too. Who did you speak with and what kind of things did they have to say? What are some of the key things you remember them telling you? Yeah, so this was um this was really my the the first time I got to speak to students about what they had been through. So uh, one student, Ashley Bale, she's a senior, um, and she was kind of far enough away from the shooting in the school, she said. What was the experience like for you? Um, I was actually in the band hallway, so I wasn't by there. We heard, like, someone say Alice over the thing, but we figured it was a drill, so we weren't right. really sure. We were kind of listening. Um, there's some kids in like, the locker rooms, so mm-hmm. we gathered everybody back in to just be sure. My sister actually texted me that there was a shooter. Wow. I let um, the teacher know, and we all gathered, you know, locked the door. She escaped through a door and ran down, you know, like, this slippery hill. Like, if you remember the weather, like, the snow was still, you know, melting on the ground. It was not, mm-hmm. it was not friendly conditions to the mire. Her and the other people that went felt like it was their best bet to dart outside. I was really thankful to be there instead of over there. It was still scary. You know, her sister was still in the schools. Was she texting you terrified? She was trying to keep it together. Yeah. She just kind of like had that achingly horrifying moment, just kind of waiting to reunite with her sister who is still there. So another one of the seniors I talked to, Callum Gross, he was in his math class. He could hear the shots fired. Yeah. Experienced a lot, I guess. He tried opening the door at one point and heard a lot of gunfire. And I guess overall, just a very traumatic experience. Very much, um, <laughs> the silence made it very long. It felt a lot longer than it did, you know. It felt yeah. like two hours. Um, he said that classmates started handing each other textbooks to use as shields. And I was, like, next to my teacher holding a mug, just anything we had to defend ourselves, preparing for the worst. A mug? Yeah. Um, yeah, and he was using Instagram to try to share as much as he could to his teacher. I think it was just like one of those moments he said where you're just trying to survive, like you're just trying to figure out like what to survive. In that situation, all you really think of is just death doesn't really come on your mind much. You're so focused, at least for me. I thought about it, but, you know, I was too fixated on just trying to get out alive. He He said he wasn't even like... He wasn't thinking about death. He was more just thinking about, like, how am I going to get through this moment? Mm. Uh, what will it take to make sure that I see tomorrow? Oof. Yep. Um, wow. and another student, Nolan Matier, is a sophomore, and he was also close to the gunfire. He had thought it was kids playing around, you know, just, like, slamming their lockers really hard because those doors can be kind of loud at first. So tell me about your experience today. What happened? It, it's, it was a mix of emotions. It was a, a mix of just a lot of adrenaline, a mix of fear, a mix of just worry. Um, how have you felt in the aftermath? Like, what kind of emotions have been going through your head, you know, once you kind of knew you were safe? I, I guess I guess guilt. Because I, I, I made it out. And I know he said he, he lost a friend, um, and so he was sort of... He, he was very, very somber. And I talked to his mom, Jamie, uh, and she raced to the mire as soon as she got an active shooter notification from the high school uh, where she, you know, just saw students crying and hugging. And it was just awful. You know, was, I know we keep saying this, but it's like a parent's worst nightmare. Um, and, and so she was like, I, I did not feel good until I had my kids with me. 
Um, she had another kid in the middle school and she wanted her middle schooler with her too. You know, there were a lot of middle schoolers at this vigil who I also talked to and they were, you know, similarly just like we heard about it and we were on our phones and we were trying to, you know, hope, hope for the best and hope that our siblings are okay. So it's just, um, I, I met, you know, a lot of people who had lost somebody or who knew that they had lost somebody. And that's kind of how you can visualize like just how much trauma has been wrought here. Since Tuesday, details have emerged about the suspect's actions before the shooting. After the break, we discuss that and look at what a community in mourning faces going forward. My name is Dave Boucher, and I'm a government and politics reporter for the Detroit Free Press. In the past year, we've brought you the impact of the 2020 general election and debunked mountains of misinformation. All the while, we continue to delve into the policies and politics driving the fight against COVID-19. There's never been a more critical time to produce reliable information while holding the powerful accountable. But we can't do that alone. By subscribing to the Free Press, you're supporting quality local journalism that creates a stronger community for everyone. And it's never been easier to join. For just $1, you'll get six months of full digital access to all of my work, along with excellent coverage on autos, sports, and additional topics chronicled by my wonderful colleagues here at the Detroit Free Press. To learn more, head to freep.com slash special offer. Thank you. We're back talking with Free Press reporter Lily Altavina about the tragic mass shooting at Oxford High on Tuesday. So what additional details started coming out since the shooting about what happened and about what the school knew? You know, I think we're still kind of trying to figure it out, um, you know, about this suspect and about who he was and how much the school knew. Apparently, you know, the school had been meeting with him about some behavior. And so we don't, we don't know what that behavior was. We don't know what those meetings were like. I think it raised a lot of new questions then about, you know, what the school knew and, and how they were sort of taking or not taking proactive measures. That's something Superintendent Throne addressed in his video Thursday. There's been a lot of talk about the student that was apprehended, uh, that he was, you know, called up to the office and all that kind of stuff. No discipline was warranted. There are no discipline records at the high school. Yes, this student did have contact with our front office. And yes, his parents were on campus November 30th. Again, I will take any and all questions at a later time. What can you tell us about the gun? Where did it come from? The weapon that was used by the suspect Officials say it was a nine millimeter, six hour, twenty twenty two pistol. Um, and so, Oakland County Sheriff Mike Bouchard said on Tuesday evening that the suspect's dad had purchased it four days earlier. Um, and so that, I mean, obviously, really close to the time of the shooting. What I think is is important to note is that four days earlier was Black Friday. Um, so that may or may not provide context about why why that day was the day. We don't know, you know, why that was the day that that this suspect's dad bought this gun. Was there evidence that suggested that uh, the suspect was planning the shooting? On Wednesday, we did learn um, from the sheriff's office again 
that, you know, authorities now say they had digital evidence, including a video he made the night before talking about his intentions to kill classmates at school the next day uh, in a journal with some similar sentiments. So it, 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 it does sound like, you know, the case against the suspect, you know, is being built. You cover school policy. So what, what comes to your mind about what, if anything, will change or might we see changes following this incident? Yeah, I mean, now we get into sort of like that complicated and sometimes cyclical discourse about school shootings, which, you know, there is just a tangle of debates about gun control and about school safety and mental health. Um, and But even before that, everyone, everyone at Oxford High School and, and so many of the community members experienced something that was traumatic on Tuesday. And so what we know about Oxford is that the school's closed for the rest of the week and they're coordinating grief counseling for those who need it. Uh, And there are other sort of mental health resources uh, being sent to the community. Um, But in terms of, you know, that big picture, I'm not sure if if or, you know, when we'll see a shift policy wise or or in what, you know, Oakland County's. Prosecutor Karen McDonald said at a press conference Wednesday, if the incident yesterday with four children being murdered and multiple kids being injured is not enough to revisit our gun laws, I don't know what is. That this should be enough to compel the country to revisit gun laws. I'm a parent. There are parents here. There are parents listening. We need to make sure and want to know that when we send our kid to school, they're safe. And responsible gun ownership is imperative. It's critical. But, you know, on that topic alone, there's a lot of division. And there is talk of, you know, strengthening mental health guardrails for students. But that takes money and time. Um, Dave Boucher and I published a story about sort of school safety funding in Michigan. What we found is that uh, the state actually cut school safety grant funding during the pandemic. So for the last two years, school safety grants that we had had in 2018 after Parkland and 2019 uh, were not available for schools for the, the last two mm. years. So, you know, not available for schools that wanted to make security improvements. Um, and, you know, they they will be available at some they will be available again next year thanks to state funding um so you know we'll see kind of a new round of schools making security improvements and i think a good question to explore is also like what security improvements are school make schools making and how are they Mm -hmm. making them and you know how how do those make students feel i know people here have um have said after after this event should the school have had metal detectors so it's just like a it's it's a tangled web of questions about policy and and i i don't really know what's next and what happened with the charges yeah there's been some speculation um it i think oakland county's prosecutor is still weighing charging the parents of the accused shooter that's as of wednesday and mr crumley could you state your full name for us please um, Ethan Robert Crumbly. The alleged shooter was charged that day. Mr. Crumbly, at any time you do not hear or understand myself. He faces charges of terrorism and four counts of first-degree murder, among others. I, I want to remind the court, and I know the court doesn't need reminding, that these are allegations. He has not been found guilty of these uh, of these issues or these charges as of yet. We're going to start seeing this uh, this kind of go through the court system. And that's always a very, that's a very winding process. So, Mm -hmm. so this could be something that takes, you know, years. 
And and how has the Oxford community been responding? You talked a lot about the kids and the parents at the vigil, um, and you said it seems like they're a pretty tight community. How have they been coming together since the shooting? Yeah, I mean, I think that the vigils have been a really important um, point for them to to get together. Um, another way that I've seen is that there's a petition to rename um, the stadium after Tate Meyer, the football player who who died. Um, and that petition had almost 50,000 signatures uh, when I was looking at it today. Um, and so... I you know I think I think that they are just trying to to band together as a community. There are black ribbons being passed around. People are changing their profile pictures. Um, it, it's just like a, a it's a big mix of things. What are you uh, hearing about what the community wants people to know about this? Um, you know I I think I'm hearing mixed things. Um. The communication I've seen from the school district is really like know that there is help out there. Um, And I think that's, you know, everybody should know that there is help out there. I have been on a parents group on Facebook and the parents group has been flooded with offers from, you know, counselors and psychologists saying, like, if you need help, we're there. Lily, thank you very, very much for talking to me tonight. Fantastic work by the way, on what you've been doing, being able to go out there and do this coverage. Really appreciative of the work you do. So thank you for that. Thank you. After we recorded this episode, Oakland County Prosecutor Karen McDonald announced that the parents of Ethan Crumbly, Jennifer and James, would face four counts of involuntary manslaughter. She said they gave him access to the gun and that the meeting they had November 30th with school officials was about a drawing he said to have done of a gun with someone bleeding and a laughing emoji. For more on that, please check out Freep.com. We want to give a big thanks to Lily Altavena. She has been incredible with her reporting and her time, and we couldn't have done this without her. Also, to the rest of the Free Press staff, when something so tragic like this affects our community, This becomes a newsroom-wide effort to make sure that we're covering this to let communities know what's happening. Shortly after we heard what happened at Oxford High School, we put out a call line where people from across Michigan and the country could call in and give their support to the Oxford community. And we're just going to let those voicemails play now. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you'll join us in sending our thoughts, prayers, and support to Oxford. Our community heart is with you right now. As in El Paso Strong, we wish Oxford to be strong too. May God be with you, and may God send his angels to watch over those who need comforting right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's such a tragedy that we have to, to sit here and talk about this again, and it's, and it's finally uh, happened in our own community. That's some far-off place, not some far-off state, and it's, and it's such a shame. And it's so tragic. I just want to let the students of Oxford know that we, as a state, are 100% behind them. We're so proud of how they conducted themselves in absolutely horrifying situations. Um, and we want to focus on all those kids that did everything right that day. My heart goes out to the families of the victims. Um, I wish 
all those with injuries, speedy recovery. Um, and just know that we're thinking about you and we're going to help you get through this. I'm just calling to send my thoughts and my prayers and my hope for the children and parents of the Oxford school community. Um, we have to do better. With great rights come great responsibilities. We have to do better and we have to protect our children. We have to do better. We have to be more responsible, better trained, and understand that with great power comes great responsibility. I have no idea how to express the correct amount of empathy for something so terrible. I hope that those directly impacted by this can find comfort wherever they can. I don't think they will be listening to this podcast or checking the news because it's their reality. It's not news. But I hope that they can find comfort and support from those who love them. And I hope that others will understand and respect that this is more than just news. Be safe and be well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.